James Shaw has well and truly taken today's spotlight, choosing the first sitting day back at Parliament for 2024 to announce his resignation as Green Party co-leader and his plans to retire from politics. Shaw, who has been the Greens co-leader for nearly a decade, will formally step down in March, but plans to stay on as an MP to see one last piece of climate-related legislation through before bowing out for good. Kia ora, I'm Imogen Wells and welcome to this special bonus edition of Newsable. Senior staff audio journalist Aaron Darman sat down with James Shaw for an interview just an hour after he made his resignation announcement and spoke to him about his time in the party and the legacy he leaves behind. James Shaw, it's been a big day in the last few hours. You've met with your caucus, you've told them you're basically done. What was that like? How do you feel? Uh, um, I, well... It, it was it was very good to be able to um, to be able to tell people, um, and I am really excited, frankly, because I uh, am looking forward to what I can do next. Um, I'm also, and this isn't just me saying this. I am really excited about this new caucus. So I, I do kind of feel that there's a whole new era beginning, um, and you know when I think about that, I, I, I it excites me as well. So I sort of see me stepping out of the way as part of that. The old guard. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I've only been around for sort of 10 years or so, right? But, um, uh, and there are people who, who have been around a lot longer than I have. But I, I, I sort of think I'm, you know, I was the co-leader for that period of time and and for that era, and there is a new era beginning. Was there a moment where you went, nah, this is just not it anymore? Um, no. I, I mean, I'd always, when I stood for the co-leadership back in early 2015, I did say that my primary commitment was to take us into government for the first time and then safely at this other side, which was not a feat that any party, support party had achieved at that point. So I always had that criteria in my mind and uh, that really was the, the kind of primary, the primary driver. It's like I, I've, I've done the job that I came to do. You know, now it's time for somebody else to do the job that they're here to do, which is to take us back into government. Parliament can be rewarding, but it can also be brutal. It can be intense. Mm. It can have a real impact on family life, mm. social life, any life outside of this place. Mm. Will you miss it? Uh, well, ask me again in a couple of years. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think so, <clears throat> and and not because you know I kind of hate the place or anything like that. But I, I, I think. For me, if I feel like I have completed my time, you know, that I've done everything that I could, that I gave everything to it, not that everything went perfectly well, right? It didn't. Uh, but that, but, but if I feel complete about it, then I can kind of look back at it sort of fondly um, and, and not in anger uh, and to say, yeah, that was a particular moment in my life where, you know, we, we kind of had this big, hard, challenging thing. You know, one thing I've said, it's probably the best job I'll ever have. It is almost certainly the hardest job I'll have ever had. And, and, and it is both of those things at the, at the same time. We had an interview a couple of months ago where you spoke about being angry about a certain policy decision. Were there times where you were angry and was that a common occurrence under sort of some arrangements or under some coalition arrangements? Um, <clears throat> I was angry a lot, you know, um, and that's because the gap between, 
you know, where we are, where we need to be, the scale and the speed of, of where we're going, you know, was always great. And I, and I felt constantly that, you know, the kind of barriers to being able to do good things are just immense. The inertia in government is, is colossal. And that is not necessarily associated with any one political party. Right. So, you know, I know you're obliquely referring to New Zealand first, but you've got to remember that it was when we were in government with New Zealand first, that's when we passed the Zero Carbon Act. That's when we did the big reforms to the emissions trading scheme that kind of sort of played out, played out subsequently. So in many ways, you know, that was kind of the, the high point, right, was like we got we got through those kind of massive set of reforms in that in that first term. And then the second term was about both finessing those, but actually implementing them. Uh, implement, you know, kind of making it real, not just lead, you know, like, not just a law, but you know, creating those institutions, and that was tough. That was really tough, you know, and and that had, you know, there are a lot of reasons that were kind of in government, in the public service, out there in the world, you know, with the resistance we were facing and so on. It's you know, it's tough, but it must be done. Did Labor move? hard and fast enough when it came to progressing climate action in the term where it had a full majority? I don't think so, no. Um, and you have to remember that everything, you know, when people say, you know, James Shaw made a real difference in his time, I was enabled to do all of that work through our partnership with the Labour Party, you know? So I don't want to be churlish about what it was that we did together and what they gave me the space and, you know, the resources uh, and, you know, the, the support to be able to do. Um, you know, we did things in those two terms uh, that, you know, is unusual in the world. Um, and, and, you know, there are more and more countries that are kind of following that example now, and that's really critically important. But, um, yeah. Labour was the enabling partner, and yet over two government terms, you were climate change minister outside of cabinet. How frustrating was that? Um, well, it's interesting. It's actually less frustrating than you might think. Um, I mean, the main impact actually is that the public service is enormously hierarchical. Uh, <clears throat> and so the main challenge I had with being outside cabinet was actually dealing with the public service because, you know, up, uh, low ranking. <laughs> Um, but in government, and, and certainly in my relationship with the Labour Party, it, it never really made a, a huge difference. I mean, especially in the first term when we were, you know, our votes were necessary for everything. Um, we were on every cabinet subcommittee, bar one. Uh, every time we had a cabinet paper that, you know, we had to take up, we were in cabinet for that. Um, and I often got brought in and consulted on cabinet papers that weren't mine, but you know, where there was overlap into, into the climate or, or nature space and so on. So that that actually made less of a difference, I think, than people sometimes think. You know, it's still, I'm a Minister of the Crown, you know, I'm a member of, of the Executive Council. Uh, I think you can do a lot with that, no matter where you are in the, in the ladder. Do you have one regret that sits with you and maybe kind of Something that goes beyond regret, something that sort of sits poorly or just still doesn't sit right with you, either in the last term, in the term before that, or even before that, where you think, I might have done that differently. Oh, well, I mean, I could say I might have done that differently about a whole swag of things. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the obvious 
the obvious one uh, is um, Hiwaka Ekenoa, the the you know um, agricultural emissions pricing. I think that was always going to be an uphill battle, obviously, I and mean, it has been for thirty years. Um, but I don't think that we helped ourselves by the way that we we went we went about it. Um, and um, you know, the, and there are actually some really valuable lessons there. And even though that initiative ultimately failed, it also did advance the kind of, you know, the the kind of field, if you like. So, um, so I'd, I've got regret about that. Uh, I've got regret about the fact that we never got, you know, capital gains tax over the line, despite the fact that both, you know, Labor and the Greens went into uh, the twenty seventeen election campaigning on that. And I think fundamentally, if you look at the issues that we have in in our economy and society and inequality and so on, a lot of the a lot of it come down to a fundamental, um, you know, poor distribution in the in the tax system. Um, but really, the the main thing that I felt was unfinished that I wanted to devote my third and final term to uh, was about bringing bringing climate and nature together. You know, and we had all these controversies around pine trees and the emissions trading scheme versus natives and wetlands and seaweed and you know all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of just on the cusp of being able to break through all of that um, when when the change of government occurred. And I would have liked to have been able to shepherd that through. When you started out with the Greens, one of your goals was to change the way that people thought about the party. Mm. Have you done that? I think so. Yes. When I first kind of got involved with the Greens. Well, when I came back from the UK uh, and, and and kind of got involved as a volunteer and as a, as a candidate, any time I would read in the media about the Greens, the commentary or the background assumption is like, oh, the Greens are crazy, you know, you don't want to let them anywhere near the levers of government, they'll bring the place down, they'll destroy the economy, they'll, um, they'll uh, you know, they'll, the government won't last six months with them in it, you know, all that kind of stuff. Nobody says that about us now. And actually, if you compare our time in government to some of the other parties that were involved in our governments, but also some of the coalition partners that are involved now, I would say that we have demonstrated that we were, you know, stable, sober, committed, principled, um, and and kind of and responsible, you know, um, more so than kind of many others, uh, and and I'm really proud of that. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. In 2020, you reflected on starting out with the quote, the overriding narrative was, for God's sake, don't let these people anywhere near power. Yeah. So what happens now that you're gone? The moderator's gone. Well, I, I think that's a bit of a... I think it's typecasting to say that I'm the moderator or the moderator or something like that. I mean, we have a really long tradition... You know, if you go back to um, Jeanette and Rod, you know, our first pairs of co-leaders, they really kind of set the standard and the tone for, you know, being very um, uh, committed and to the to the principles of the party and what it is that we stand for, but also, uh, also committed to working with whoever they needed to work with in order to advance, advance those. And I, I remember Jeanette consistently kind of came out tops in those surveys around, you know, like most trusted, you know, politician and, and so on and so forth, even though the vast majority of people didn't vote for it, you know. Um, and and so, you know, people could see that. And I, and I think that's that's just 
part of part of who we are, you know. And I, you know, obviously different MPs have different personalities and different styles and so on and so forth. No, they'll, they'll work it out. Part of the reason why you were deselected and then eventually re-elected mm. around the, the Greens co-leadership uh, was this kind of rhetoric around not being perhaps extreme enough or not yeah. being green enough. Yeah. Have you been green enough as a green co-leader? Could you have been greener? Yeah, I, I, I think I have. And, and in fact, I, I make the reverse argument that it, that it was my commitment to um, actually putting our ideals into action, my commitment to working with whoever I needed to work with in order to make those advances, um, my commitment to the principle of building consensus, including with the people who you know have completely opposite views of, of the world, uh, that that's kind of what I what I stood for, and I think if you kind of you know you know yes I had, I kind of had issues with you know some members of the party the vast majority of the party strongly supported me as as co leader, um, and um, so I I'm not I'm not concerned about that and I, and when, you know when I travelled around the country and I talked to Green Party members. Um, for the most part, they kind of realise that we're up against it. Like they know that we're a kind of a smaller party. You know that there's many more MPs who are not Greens than are that in government. You know we're not the dominant party, and and so on. And, and I think they they just recognised that everything that we did was going to be a bit of an uphill slog, and that that was going to involve compromise. They're actually, despite the reputation, a very pragmatic bunch, Green Party members. There is a constant challenge, though, between pragmatism and idealism yes. within the Green Party, perhaps more than other parties. Yeah. Uh, do you think that you became complacent as a Greens co-leader? Or if not, did you feel betrayed by some of the membership? Um, well, I don't think it's as binary as that, as with most, most things. Did I become complacent? I mean, I, I think, and I said at the time that I was kind of so focused on doing the ministerial role that I didn't pay as much attention to kind of, you know, bringing some people along with me. But ultimately, you know, I what I said to people is look at my record, look, look at what I actually did with my time here. When you look back over, you know, 30 decades worth of manifestos and policy statements and things that, that we have said, I got quite a lot of that done, you know, and that that to me is the the kind of the proof is in the pudding, really. Do you have any concerns that the party will become sort of less electable with you gone? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, you've got to remember that you know we've just had a, a kind of record number of New Zealanders voting for us, and I think if you look at the kind of shift in New Zealand society, especially with uh, kind of younger people who are living in our inner cities, who are feeling very economically excluded, you know, very precarious when it comes to housing and, you know, so on and so forth, um, and and who are also the generation who are most worried about the impacts of climate change and how that's going to affect their future, who are most in tune with um, kind of issues around the environment and so on. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have any, any concern about that. And also, I don't want to be one of these kind of old hacks so I was like sitting there throwing in pot shots and how I'd do it differently. I mean, it really is up to each generation to make of it what they can and what they will. And, you know, our society has changed enormously in the 30 years that we've been in Parliament. 
uh, and the party you know is still the same green party but it has also evolved in in that time period as well have you had conversations with colleagues about what direction you would like to see the party go and do you have no 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 i don't Why not? I, well I, I mean when i say that i mean broadly speaking yes in the sense that you know we're kind of working through what our strategy is now that we're back in opposition and you know given the composition of our caucus, how that works. And so... But now that you're leaving? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's still early days. So I only told them this morning. So we, we haven't had a lot of time for big strategy conversations. Um, but I also, I really do think that it is important for Marama and whoever our new co-leader is to uh, kind of set that tone unfettered by me. You know, so um, I, I know they'll do a great job of it. Yeah. Can I ask a couple of questions about 2019 and the 14th of March in 2019, which was the day that you were assaulted, uh, the day before March 15. Yeah. What impact has that had on you? Um, well, I think it had, it had a, a, more of an impact on my family and on my colleagues and my staff in some ways I think than it did on me and and I think partially that's because as the person who was having the experience it was a known quantity right but I think for a lot of other people they're like I'm like you know you can't know what it's like and so on and so forth so you sort of project or or you know you got concerns right um, um, it, it it sort of changed I mean I, I definitely had a sort of um, sort of mild anxiety, well mild, I had some anxiety issues afterwards, you know, I was a bit twitchy in kind of certain crowds or with people behaving in a particular way, but that sort of faded um, uh, in, in a few months. And there were some sort of practical implications like security, especially given the um, terrorist attacks in Christchurch um, and, and other things, you know, I didn't have as much kind of freedom of movement, right? So um, I don't walk home after dark anymore or anything like that. Um, and it also, I, I think that there's a relationship between that incident and some of what we saw, you know, on the Parliament Four Courts and the kind of rise of misinformation and disinformation and, and some things that I am actually worried about uh, when it comes to the nature of our democracy. And I don't think that those things are particularly acute right now when you compare us to, you know, the US or um, some of what you see in kind of Canada, Australia or, you know, Brexit, Britain and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't think that that's because we have a particular immune system that those countries don't have. I just think we're a little late to the party. And I don't think that we are taking the opportunity of the fact that it sometimes takes a little bit longer for those political trends to make it to our shores. I don't think that we're taking advantage of that to build an immune system to uh, some, of what we, some of what we see. And that, and that worries me. Do you fear for the safety of MPs? Perhaps not now, but going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do. Um, and, you know, uh, I know that there are people who have had to have police interventions on more than one occasion um, when a threat was seemed credible, you know. Um, and and so and I know, I also know that that applies to kind of high profile members of the media as well, right? So there's there's that sort of toxicity that that we need to deal with. 
Will you rule out ever returning to politics? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, Maybe not. Well, the, so the, the <laughs> thing is that you, we play the rule in, rule out game, right? And I've, I've been around long enough to know that you should never rule anything out, but I think that the chances are utterly infinitesimal. How small? How small? Like as close to zero as 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 you as the human eye can perceive um but no because I, I i feel i've done my time here you know i've 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 made the contribution that i that i came to achieve i'm in my early 50s um and i i've got you know one decent active career uh, in front of me and i, I want to make a good go of that you know yeah, so yeah that's effectively that's it, that's it. yeah are you now at a point you said another career arc where you're looking really visionary you're like okay what's my big dream what can i do or are you kind of going okay i'm going to settle no no it's big it's i, I want to scale up yeah i mean I, I think um you know like i said i've got uh you know 15 20 years where i think i can really make a, a significant difference um the way that i think about this is First of all, you need to go where the problem is, right? So you need to kind of tackle it head on. Um, and for me, it's about uh, the scale and of the impact that I can have on, on climate and nature. And so the question is, and I, I chose to come into politics because um, that was how I perceived I could make the biggest difference, you know, at the time now that that route is closed the question then is what what is the next greatest you know opportunity for making a difference and so um and if there's one thing i've learned as a result of my work in in, in as climate minister uh, the capital flows from away from the fossil fuel industry uh, and towards the green economy is probably the greatest opportunity for for making a difference at, at scale and so that's an area that I'm kind of interested in seeing if I can be useful in um, but I also am open-minded about what might come. There will now be a leadership contest you've been a big supporter of Chloe why not just publicly support her? Because we don't do that in the Greens, we just don't. You know, um, we want to ensure that uh, anybody who um, wants to put themselves forward feels that they have uh, a fair shot uh, at, at doing that. And so, um, you know, Marama and I, and, and we'll keep absolutely mum about who we think uh, would make the next best co-leader of the of the of the Greens, um, and. And I, I also think for any candidate, it's kind of unfair to have somebody else make your announcements for you. So, uh, you know, I really do want to leave it to, you know, whoever puts their name forward to kind of choose their timing, make their statement the way that they want it, that they want to make it, and then run the best campaign that they can. How do you think you made people feel? Well, you know, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. Um, I think for the most part, not universally, um, I think, I hope, I'm going to say this, I hope, I don't know for sure, but I hope that people feel that I uh, have respected them as humans and as people, no matter, uh, you know, how much our views 
diverged or converged uh, on on any on any given issue, um, and and that I was willing to kind of hear hear people out, and if I felt like they had a good argument, that I was willing to take take it on board and to try and incorporate incorporate that, um, and and I hope that. I hope that people feel that I didn't make an enemy of them. You know that that, I, that for me it was always about that we are um, actually um, ultimately all on the same team here. Yeah. And you've worked with a lot of differing views. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have, and I'm really proud of that. What, do you have a message that you want to leave people with? We. Have hope, right? We are um, uh, things are changing. Um, they're changing slower than any of us would like, um, and we haven't yet got the scale. But it is definitely happening. This is a different country uh, than um, when I got started in politics, um, and so. And 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 when I say have hope, don't. It's not like a kind of blind faith that it's all going to work out you know it's active there we've got to we have to deserve to hope you know we've got to do the do the work um but i would say to you know the next generation future generations that um that that we're starting to move in the right that in the right direction um and that if we keep it up and we go further and we go faster we will get to where we need to get to you took a deep breath and I kind of almost felt the weight of what you were about to say before you said it. Will you miss the weight? Will you miss the pressure? There'll be things about it that I miss. Um, but like I said, I've, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with my time here. So, you walk out with your head held high. Yeah, I think so. And, and not a lot of us get to do that. James Shaw, really appreciate your time. Thank you. That's all from this special bonus edition of Newsable. I'm Imogen Wells, and thank you for listening. Make sure you join us tomorrow morning when we'll have analysis of what James Shaw's resignation means for the Green Party's future. Ka kite anō. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.